you own or rent your home, sure you do, and I bet it can be hard work. You know it's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's and your renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's GEICO easy, ladies and gentlemen. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com today. Now, Podcast One brings you Spike's Car Radio. A downloadable Cars and Coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Welcome to Spike's Car Radio, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are, another great show for you. We've got Willie T. Ribs today. Willie T. Ribs, uh, he's the Jackie Robertson of auto racing. Uh, Adam Carolla did a great film about him. It's premiering at the Peterson, I guess, in a little bit, and uh, Willie T. Ribs is going to be in here. I'm sitting here with Zuckerman. I just, uh, before we get started, want to, uh, any who, who, who of you out there, I know we have a lot of folks on the road, a lot of folks in the automotive business, all of our friends out there. Who knows Mercedes and Mercedes PR? I uh, haven't driven their new stuff in a while, and I really want to get in the G-Wagon, um, and I want to get in the Maybach. So uh, so tap your friend that works on Mercedes, and please tell them to get in touch with me. This is very important. These are, these are, these are vehicles I like. These are vehicles that don't need help being sold, but these are vehicles I'd really like to drive and communicate my thoughts to the listeners, and I'll, and I'll be very nice. I'm not like Matt Farah. I'll be very nice. Did you I know? I won't be a dick about uh, little things that are wrong. Well, I might be. I might be. But that's why no, people love No, you're not me. as dicky. Well, my, some, people like Matt Farah, and that's how it works out. Anyway, here I am. As you can tell, my uh, crazy co-host is here, the real Zuckerman. You seem a little scattered today, I Zuckerman. Am. What, been, what's going on? What's wrong with you? Week. I will tell you, on the upside, I did drive uh, Robert, my partner's G-Wagon, his brand new one, yesterday. First G-Wagon I've ever been in. First one ever? Ever, that I've driven, I should wow. say. And well, and then you upstand the uprightiness of this crazy design I, and German design. I, it surprised me how much I liked it. I will tell you what I didn't like. Was, Don't you feel safe in it when you close the door and it goes click, clock, yeah, and it's, locks it's, in? Yeah, it's really, really well made. It's It takes, you know, it, it really does, outdoes the Range Rover by a mile. I don't like the I seats. I wouldn't say that. that. Yeah, I would. And I, but it's also <laughs> twice as expensive. So It doesn't outdo it, though. I mean, I just came – I went skiing last week, as you know, uh, to Mammoth, and I took my 2016 Range Rover Sport. It felt like a private jet on the road, Zuckerman. I don't – I loved it. And we talked about how the G-Wagon might not be – again, I haven't driven it – but might not compete with what we experienced, which was this we – were, we were in a Range Rover roving the range, and it was a delight – I was blown away, Ferrison. But isn't it? Don't. But now that you've driven it, don't you see it as the perfect urban kind of city vehicle? Well, it is. It SUV. Ha- I don't. This that is a great statement. That is right. Now, not having had this out in the country on a long trip, I can't answer. I can tell you that I was annoyed with the lane assist, and I was annoyed with the seats. <laughs> I was annoyed with off. the seats that. 
that grab. Yeah. yeah and no, they, I'm just saying yeah, you turn, turn all off. that stuff off yeah. in the city, and the, right? seat, and the seat grabbing when you go around a corner, I really that's don't. That's not good, right? I don't need to well, be Well, see, grabbed. now you're talking about G-Wagon stuff. Now that's yeah. that's kind of what it is. I mean, yeah. it's the G-Wagon is culty, right? It's a design of a truck that's kind of obsolete, right. yet the fans of the truck won't let them but, kill the design, so they keep making it. Well, and I've compared it many times to that, that beautiful girl who's now an aging Beverly Hills right. older woman who's getting her face fixed over and well, over again. Well, I will tell you, they, they have totally redesigned the, you know, the experience of how it drives. And it doesn't have... I wouldn't know. Uh, you know, so... I uh, wouldn't know. So it's great. You're going to like it. If you want, I'll put you in it. But, you That's know... very nice of you, but I, I want Mercedes to send me their car so I can hoon it. Well, yeah, Let's, so now I, I will tell you what I ha- I am scattered today because I've had a very annoying week. Yes, I can tell. You're all over the place. Yeah. Well, you know, podcasting... And I talked uh, uh, to, uh, to 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 Pollock about this, right? I talked to him. I said, "Don't you feel better after after your podcast?" Sure, it's like going to the shrink. I get to say everything on you my mind. You just start talking, yeah. and right? it helps. It helps, right? It helps. I'm Kevin annoyed. Pollock and I were in agreement that this is like therapy, just talking and saying that stuff. Okay. But rather than go through your numerous troubles and issues, why don't we talk about uh, your brand new car? Your, your new 991 Ooh. Speedster, which you were kind enough to Ooh. let me drive. The audience listening right now, our friends, they're going, yes, Spike, yes, this is what we came here for. Not uh, G-Wagon talk. We want to hear about Porsche Speedsters, which have been delivered. You own two halves of two cars with Mr. Matt Jacobson, right? The guy, that fellow that works at Instagram and Facebook, and... As I understand it, you can correct me if I'm wrong, you are going to drive both cars, both of you, and then you'll each pick a car, and that will be your car? That is one of the <laughs> options. That's behind door number one. Okay, tell us the colors first. Okay. The car that I am driving is stone gray. Wow. That and, is, his, and that's the car I saw. And what is the car he's driving? Slate gray. Wow. And it looks Fantastic! They're both beautiful. You you've put up the stone gray one on Instagram, and it, it it's on fire, right? The it slate gray will melt Instagram. Slate gray will melt it. Yes, more we'll than stone it. gray. I do believe so. I believe so. You sound like a couple of teenage girls here. I understand. <laughs> now, I, I want to give some kudos to Matt Jacobson. Matt had the had the. Allocations. Take your kudos, Jacobson. Take kudos them. for Jacobson. Here's some kudos. Kudos, Swiggins. What are kudos, anyway? Kudos, congrats, kudos. and accolades. Here's kudos, some accolades. congrats, and accolades to Matt Jacobson, because he has the connections to have these cars, the allocations, at sticker, and he was kind enough to be a bro and say to me, would you like in on these cars? And I said, not only do I want in on them, I love the idea of sharing, uh, you know, 50% of two different cars. I have a, I have a divided <laughs> hole. <clears throat> I, have an un- I have a divided hole. <laughs> a divided hole. <laughs> I have a divided hole. I, all right. I don't even know what that means. Yes, I have one whole speedster and two but different pieces. It was pieces. very nice of him to do that. Yes. Any, any friend that calls you up and offers you speedsters is a good friend. And now, what he did for me in particular was to acquiesce to my request that we have the that we have the comfort seats and not the buckets. So I have. Yeah, I've done that with you too. Eighteen way. It's hard to make that seats. right. I, 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 I don't like that decision. But. Guess what? But our friend Jerry has, has ordered his speedster with the comfortable seats. We I are, know, but Jerry's seventy eight as well. 
You yes. Know, it's different. Yes. But I will say in the 992 that you're sharing with me, you were very kind to do the Matt Jacobson gesture and let me jump in on that car. I do like those seats in that 992. Yes, they are great seats. And you're not missing anything, guys. You're not missing anything other than some sort of a look, like All right. a hard look. But well, let's, let's talk well, about let's, the yeah, car. Yeah, you're bar- you're bar- Don't interrupt look me, Ferris. You're, you're the always lead. interrupting me. me. You're-, I, you're the co-host. I'm the host. I'm going to ask you the questions that we want to hear. Let me step you through this. Let step, me step you through it. Let me step through you. Because you'll be all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> we want to know, and I know this, but I want to hear, you know, take us, the, the, these folks haven't driven this car. Many of them haven't seen it. Tell us what it felt like when you first got behind the wheel and got into it. Tell them Ooh. about the emotions, the whole deal. Go ahead. Motherfucker. It was like that. It was like, it's, oh, okay. The emotions are like this. You, it's got this crazy back end, but you get in, you've got nothing behind you. There's no little back seatlet area. There's no GT3 or GT car empty area. It's walled off, right? which is fantastic. It's a true two-seater. And, and, and when you get into this lovely two-seater, you've got the short shortened windows, the shortened windshield, uh, you've got the contraption top that could hit you in the head when you're getting in. You and then you've got this. But you sit down and you you get a lot of new cars. You get a, and what did you feel? Were you like uh, instantly? I love this thing. Did it make you nervous? No, did you go love, holy shit? Love because they checked a box. They checked a couple of boxes. One. Not having the back seats as a box check where you go, wow, this is different. This is fucking great. And mm-hmm. two, you look in the rearview mirror, and because of the double bulges behind you from the top canopy, the, cowl. With the, the, you know, the, the double bubble cowl with the crossbar, yeah. it is extremely reminiscent in looking in the rearview mirror of a Carrera GT. Uh-huh. And that was like, a, wow, they got me there look right. at that and that was fantastic and then you've got the little speedster in the gauge and then you've got the number plate in uh, on the panel between the two seats that i have number 1124 out of 1948 right. so the specialness uh, is yes. on display it's yes very special. you know you're in something special and then you've got your six speed okay and then you put the top down Let's say you put the top down. You drove it, but as I recall, you drove it once with the top up. Yes. And you weren't quite sure about it. You were like, you were understandably excited but nervous, which I rarely see you nervous in a new car. Jerry's a lot like that, but you're not. But you were intrigued. And then, and I said to you, I go, look, having driven a lot of cars like this, when you're connected to that noise, you're going to experience this on a whole new level. You're, and you took the top off right. on the next drive, and well, the, you were blown away. Right. So, to, and so, I was driving with you with with my right. son James that day. Right? right. So this is how it did work out. Because first, I didn't quite understand how the top worked, and I never liked to look at an owner's manual. No, me because neither. I don't need that fucking thing. Why don't you even <laughs> write it? I can figure everything out on my own. I uh, get resentful yes. if I need to look into yes. the manual. Why I want is everything that? to what work the way it works. With our minds. There's nothing wrong with it. It's we, a defiant thing. No, no. We have an expectation of simplicity now brought on, I believe, by Apple. <laughs> no, because I had it before Apple. I think it's an arrogance and a defiance. No. I, it was the way the world worked before Apple. You got a little manual and you read it and you did the stuff in it. Now, none of us have time for that. None of us have time. 
Well, I will tell you that. So the first time I did want to drive it with it because I figured the ultimate the ultimate experience is with the top down. So not only did I not know how to put the top down, um, I wanted to experience it closed up. So I had flown back into town on it from a trip. I was a little tired. It was after the it was after the Christmas break and New Year's, and my body was filled with lard, toxins, sugars. I was fat and stupid from the holidays, and I you got stupid. Oh yeah, <laughs> I got stupid earth. Is that because of the fat or just your relatives? I'm telling you that that the inert, being with my relatives and eating their food, it really it did take 15, it took 15 percentage points off my intelligence. I was befuddled and dumb and fat. And <laughs> the New Year's resolution to get more intelligent and lose weight. Food, lose weight, gain intelligence back. It's absolutely right? true. If anybody can Google it. If fat people lose IQ points. If you're really, if you're morbidly obese, you don't get enough blood flow to the brain. I've been watching my 600 pound life because of Howard Stern's recommendation, and he's that, you're not wrong about that. Okay, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> okay, I'm going to take one tangent. I was into that show five years ago. I don't right. know what took you so I'm long. I'm not into it. I'm, I, I just watched a little of it to see What's, why he's so excited. And, and what I like is But it, I was horrified by what Because I, I can identify with some of their mental pathology. Me too. When they tell you, when they're lying like a giant beetle on their back on, on the bed and they can't move, and they say to somebody, you don't understand. Right. Somebody says, you got to stop eating or you're going to die. You can't eat all that shit. And they say, you don't understand. It, like I said, you know, if you had my life, you would be eating like a pig, too. And I love that you don't understand, you know, the denial of all evidence when you can't fucking move. You're trapped in your room. You can't get through the door. Yeah. And, you're, and you say to somebody who's telling you, you got to change so you don't die. And, they, and, the, and that 600 pound person who can't move says, you don't understand. You don't understand. You, well, don't you understand. can relate to that, I'm sure. I, I, I can. can relate to that. Of course. Of food course. Is, see, I relate to those people because food is delicious, and, and the more you eat I, it, the more I, you want to keep. I could keep eating haagen pints if I wanted to. It's hard to stop once you start. And I and I relate staying in my defects and doing harmful things with the excuse, you don't understand. If you understood what's going on with me, you do the same thing, yes. too. What does this have to do with how the speedster drives? Nothing. Well, by the way, you let me drive it. So we, we went to our little coffee stop uh uh, out in Malibu and yes. then off to Bill's, right? And you mm -hmm. said, you got to drive this, right? And I will tell you, I didn't want to like this car. I don't want, I don't like seeing things. You don't that have. I, that I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, I've got, I've got so much new shit. I just don't want to, I don't want to like your shit. I'm trying to work. I'm trying to do, I'm trying Keep to your write. shit away from me. And, and you're saying, please drive. And I let it go once. Please drive. I let it go a couple of times. And then I was like, all right, I'll drive it. I'll drive it. And I got in very skeptical. And the second I sat down, uh, you're exactly Winter. right. It feels special. I play, I, I realized immediately before I even started the car, this isn't a GT3 convertible cabriolet. This is a 911R convertible. Much different. And it's got a new exhaust note. And you're right. It's Carrera GT-like in its specialness. I could already tell that because you were blasting by James and I. And the, hot, the sound. And, and the sound was spectacular, Zuckerman. The sound. And then I just took a little jaunt, like what, a mile to You Bill's. pulled out of Cafe Lux and you put your foot in it and you were so gone. <laughs> you were so gone. I looked and you were at the pier. You were two miles ahead. And, it and I is... could hear it the whole way. So great. That car is so, so great. It renewed my faith. 
in the after company. the after no after the in, in the manual gearbox yes, naturally aspirated nine eleven. Agreed. Because the GT2 RS is so special to me, this is the only car that could eclipse it in also specialness. If that I makes will, sense, it absolutely. You so know what I'm saying? I will say that. So Porsche really got this thing right because in the 997 uh, Speedster, it was just an appearance package. But in this car, in this car, they did some couple of really special things for us, and one of them was to take the manual gearbox that they had, I always felt that they had, you know, been a little slapdash with it in the, in the GT3 touring like they hadn't quite figured out, figured it out. And they have that shifter so perfect. Now there is a smoothness, but a snick to the shifting. That's fantastic. And they also did another special thing for us, which was to take the future 992 GT3 engine. That's not going to be out until uh, the 992 GT3 is in that car. No way. Yes, yes. Wow, so that bodes that, well that, for a lot. Yes, it bodes stuff. really well. And it's got the <clears throat> individual throttle bodies. Yes, the individual throttle so bodies. But, you know, I'll tell you what I appreciate more than anything is the exhaust note. Like, yes. it, it, I, I don't – I like GT3 exhaust notes, but I'm kind of tired of them. They're, they feel heavy and clunky to me compared right. to what you have. Right. And, you this know, I a, know it's engineered lightness, but I like it, and I would love that to be in the new GT3. Well, I will tell you so. So then after a couple of drives... And then we got to quickly yeah. go to commercial because we're yeah. running low on time right okay. now. We took down... We took the top down. I took the top down. And it then took the experience beyond. We went into the fifth dimension of the Speedster. First of all, the contraption's wonderful. How you do it manually is a wonderful thing. They made a fun contraption, not a frustrating contraption. And then when you hear that exhaust, and I got from La Brea onto the 10 Freeway West... And I stuck my foot in it, and I could hear the exhaust, and it was one of the most exhilarating feelings yeah. I've ever had. Mm. And I had somebody next to me, like, giving me the double fist cheering. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! <laughs> That's why we love Southern California. Yes. And <laughs> Nobody's keen. These cars, they cheer. We cheer each other on with our contraptions. And it doesn't have to be an expensive speedster. It can be the old Willys Jeep or the old Land Rover. We like That's our what brings old us together. cars, our new cars. Democratization. If you love your Prius, we love you. Anyway, in a minute, Willie T. Ribs is going to be here talking about his new film with Adam Carolla. We'll be right back with Spikes Car Radio. So how do you know that your motor oil is good enough to protect your engine? Well, guess what? You don't. Bad news. But one brand does because they literally go the extra mile to test everything. It's our friends at Valvoline. That's right. Valvoline is the only motor oil brand in the world with an engine lab completely dedicated to testing motor oil. They take their products and the competitors and they run them through the gauntlet. I'm talking of thousands and thousands of miles. Their engineers and technicians take those engines apart piece by piece to evaluate exactly what happened. Was there carbon buildup? How did the seals hold up? Did the engine perform like it was supposed to? Most importantly, were the critical engine components protected? So when Valvoline is formulating motor oil for your engine, they know exactly how it performs and what protects it best because they've seen the results firsthand, not last hand. It's why I trust Valvoline in my car, and it's why Valvoline has been trusted for more than 150 years. Head on over to Valvoline.com slash Spike to see what product is right for your engine. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. Muhammad Ali, he said to me, you're going to deal with some challenges for one reason only. You're in an all-white sport.
In England, I won the Formula Ford Series. No one could beat me. He came back knowing I just accomplished something that very few Americans have, and no one would give him a shot. Think about that time period we were in in the 70s. There was still a lot of segregationists. I get a phone call from a promoter in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're going to get some attention down here, and you're the guy that's going to bring it. There was death threats. If this nigger races in this race, he might not leave alive. It probably felt like it's me against the world. You want a reason not to like me? I want to give you one. Our leader once again, Willie T. Ribs, out in front. Willie T. Ribs, his fourth victory in the Trans Am Series. He has a winner of the Texas Challenge Trans Am. If you don't want me in your sport, then beat me. My ultimate goal is IndyCar. There was a lot of guys on that team that did not want to see Willie in that race car. I knew he was an executioner. Looks like we have a blown engine. Yeah, it looks like Willie T. Ribs. We were out of money and out of everything. Do you think he'll get in? What do you? I mean, just a gut feel. Are they going to make it or not? It's so hard. For qualifying, and I pegged it. I'm either in the race or you peel me off the cement. There is no sport more exciting than racing. This is the next best thing to heaven. They called me uppity, and I loved it. Willie T. Ribs is here. Hello, sir. Very nice to meet hey, you. Hey, just just rode in from Texas. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, old hat and yeah. and lots of. And Bud Zuckerman, you said that you you've met him before. He, I said, look at this guy. I said, I know his face. You've been in L.A. Well, before. he's famous. Yeah, that's. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. <laughs> Oh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Hootie. What, what was the Hootie and a Blowfish? And blowfish. Yeah, we were yeah. just arguing. Uh, Hootie and the Blowfish are counting crows. Which one would you suffer with the rest of your life? The Hootie and the Blowfish, for sure. Really? Yeah. Hootie? You okay? But the guy in Counting Crows, he he had dreadlocks. No. When I think of that guy, I think of your neighbor there. What's his name? Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> Willie. How are you? Do people mistake you for Hootie and the Blowfish? Well, no, no, no. They don't mistake me. I mean, because I said, man, Hootie never looked that good in his life. Uh, I forget the guy's name. He's, uh, uh, but they'd ask me, wow, you look like him. I said, wow, thanks. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> That's very nice. Well, we're here. You're here today. I wanted to have you here. You have uh, a new film with our buddy Adam Carolla on Chassis Media, chassismedia.com. Check it out. It's called Uppity, the Willie T. Ribs story. And it's the story of the Jackie Robinson of auto racing. Do you? How do you feel when, when people describe you as the Jackie Robinson of auto racing? Well, I never swung a bat at anybody <laughs> in a race car, but... You know, I can understand that parallel being used, being a pioneer in sport. You know, he was a pioneer. And, you know, and there was a lot of, you know, great pioneers. Arthur Ashe was one of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, you know, I understand the, you know, the connection. 
You are uh, born and raised here in California. I don't want to mispronounce the the town here. Gwinda? Gwinda. Gwinda? Yeah. Where's that? It's up uh, about 60 miles north, uh, northwest of Sacramento. And uh, it was on my grandfather. My grandfather had a 300-acre ranch up there. And that's where I really learned my driving on that ranch. And uh, so, what does that mean? I know most of us don't think about driving and ranches as being hand in hand. So, when a there was lot a, of room. There's a lot of room. Yeah, and I and, and on his ranch, I went real fast, and I was. So, what th- age 12, are we thir- talking about? Thirteen here? years old. 14, huh? 14, 12, 13, 14. Twelve or thirteen, right? Yeah, right. Did, your dad raced as well. Yeah, my dad raced as a hobby, and okay. my parent, you know, my parents decided they'd put me up with with. Uh, my grandfather, one for discipline, right? He, you know, and he worked the hell out of us. I mean, you know. <laughs> Did you need to be disciplined? I, I I didn't get in trouble. I didn't do bad things, but I drove fast, <laughs> right? Right. I right. drove fast. Okay. I didn't get in trouble. And I, I didn't even, I had a few farm buddy friends of mine that I would race down the uh, country roads with. Wow. That was about it. I didn't. I didn't get any trouble. So wait. So as a kid, you're 14 years old. You've got all this this room. What what cars are we hopping into here? Well, my grandfather had a very successful business that he turned over to my dad and uncle. So he had about eight different vehicles. You know, he had he had uh, pickup trucks, and uh, he had, uh, of course, car, and then he had he had a V8. Willie's Jeep. Wow. Really? V8 Willie's Jeep, a flathead right. Ford in it, right? Huh. And uh, and that thing, I just liked <laughs> the way it sounded. Yeah. Because it was real loud. <laughs> Didn't and, weigh anything. Oh, yeah. And I <laughs> and it was a station wagon, right? The Willie's was a station right. wagon. And, man, I used to fly down the country roads, and there was this old <laughs> drunk guy <laughs> there was a, that, that was a neighbor, and he called my grandpa, and he says, Henry, he says... Uh, he says, your grandson went by me doing about 100 miles per hour in that thing, and I couldn't see him. All I could see was the top of his head. He says, you better tell him to slow down. He's going to kill himself. <laughs> well, when I went by him, he was drunk. You know, right. right? Yep. And he was going about 25 miles per hour, right? right. Mm-hmm. And I went by him on the outside of the corner sideways. Right. Right? <laughs> and, and he veered off the road. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, that was... Otis the town drunk. Yes. Like yeah, Andy all right. So you're racing... I'm still not seeing the connection to racing, though. You're racing... You're just racing around in cars on your land. Well, my right? dad races a hobby. Okay. I but what's to... the moment? What is that moment where you decide, you know what, I'm going to enter a race and see how I do? Well, I mean, I made my decision, my career decision at nine years old. At nine. Then, yeah, at nine. And then by the time I got out of high school, I went to driver school. You got to get your racing license, racing mm-hmm. driver school. And where where is that? Because this has to be the late fifties, right? No, it was uh, uh, nineteen seventy five. Okay, is when well, I went to uh, racing driver school. So you're I was 18, twenty. You're twenty. All right, I was twenty years old. And and uh, where is that? That was here, actually, in near Palmdale. Yeah, and Willow Springs. It was at Willow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It was at Willow Springs. That's where I got my license. Do you remember the name of the school? It was Jim Russell. It was hmm. Jim Russell. Jim Russell Racing wow. School. So the same guy that was doing the Can-Am go-karts. Isn't that Jim Russell who was doing go-karts in Ventura, the high-speed no, that's go-karts? No, I think that's a difference. Jim yeah, no. Hall. That's Jim, Jim Hall. Yeah, Jim yeah. Hall, right. Yeah, okay. And I knew Jim Hall as a kid. Right, right, right. Still okay. do now. He lives in Midland, Texas. Right. And... um 
So I, I got my racing license, and and I knew I wanted to go to England straight away. And mm-hmm. I was, well, about a year after I got my racing license, I went to England, and I asked my mom to send me to England. I didn't want to ask my dad, even though you know he was you know he was into into the sport. Was he proud right? of you? Was he proud at that point? Did he want you to go to racing <clears> school? Was he was he, was he, how did he feel? He about was it? skeptical. You know, he, I, he I have was, to tell you, I'm skeptical because you're saying you just went to a racing school at this point, right? Now you have your license. Did you compete before you said you wanted to go to England, no, or you were saying I'm just my, going? I, I got my license, and I told my mom, and I knew racing because my dad raced, right? And everyone <clears throat> around him uh, was is, was involved with racing. But you hadn't been tested yet. You no, just right, thought, that's how did you know you were? Well, good? I did not know, but right, I knew okay. that that England was the best proving ground. And wow. Emerson Fittipaldi right. left Brazil out of go-karts and went straight to England, right? Right out of go-karts, okay. went to England to race. So there it is. That was my business model. That was, that did was, you there think it is. you were... So there it is, Zuckerman. I do understand. See, do you see but what do you, he's doing? Yes, but did you think that you measured up? Did you have that confidence? <clears throat> he didn't He didn't know, Man, but... It's, <clears throat> it's like going and doing your first porn flick. Yeah. You don't know. <laughs> well, well, did now you I understand. Now I there. Okay, it's, it's, I got you. It's just right. like that. No, but see, no, that's what I was going for is like, what? What's that moment? And it's, Emis, it's who is it? Emerson, Emerson Fittipaldi. What was your dad racing? My dad raced sports cars. He raced... Uh, he raced Elvas. He raced Lotus sports nice. cars. Okay. And, All right. And that's when I was nine, ten years old. Right. So you go to England, right? Yeah. You're there now. You now land there in the time. Hold, hold on, Zuckerman. Let me just ask you a question. You're, you're there. You're landing in England. You, what do you do? You, yeah. you put your stuff in a hotel. You, do you go to the track? What, what? First thing I did when I got there is uh, my dad had a friend over there, so he picked me up at the airport. I stayed at his flat for about a month. Right. And we found uh, <clears throat> a, a flat for myself to live in. We found, bought a car to drive. And, <laughs> yeah, bought a road car, as they say over there. What kind and, of car was it? It was, uh, it was a Volkswagen. <laughs> like a Beetle? I no, mean, it was a Fastback. A, a Volkswagen Fastback. fastback. <clears throat> and and I love um, this. He's got his hotel and a Volkswagen Fastback. And, and so and I went out England. to this guy's. There was a, a, a gentleman by the name of Mike Eastick. He owned Scorpion Racing. Mm-hmm. And if you brought a sponsor or your own personal money, he'd put you in a race car. And, and you know, he was advertised all over Autosport Magazine as a winning team. So I went out there, and when I went out to his farm, because he had all his race cars in this farmhouse out in the middle of the country, I went out there, and I knocked on the door, and he looked at me, and he heard my accent. It was U.S., and he says, uh, I, I want to talk to you. He says, about working on my farm? <laughs> <laughs> He'd never seen a black guy from America in his life, in his entire life. Right, right. And I started laughing. I said, no, I want to talk to you about driving one of your race cars. And uh, he said, well, come in. And so we sat down. He automatically thought I had racing experience. I didn't tell him I didn't. <laughs> right. I didn't say a word. <laughs> so he says, well, we're going to arrange our first practice session in about uh, – in about two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, super. So I went out there, <laughs> and the practice session was in the rain. You know, it rains a lot in England. Mm-hmm. So he really didn't know what I was capable of, because you never go real fast in the rain. You go fast. And so we went to the first race, was was about uh, three weeks later, and I ended up finishing third. 
And he didn't put me in a real good car. He put me in their oldest car, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the next race, he put me in the new one, and I won the race. And you won the race. And the rest was history after that. Wow. So, so did you pay him, though? Oh, yeah. No. What did and, it cost at that in moment? In those days, it was, would you believe, only $500 a race? That was it. Okay, you know what it would cost now? Yeah. Probably about 15000 a and, race now. Yeah. And is he, was he a good coach? What else no, did he, he wasn't did he a coach. Snacks? That's he, what I'm hearing. I'm hearing did, you just went in raw, raw talent, <laughs> yeah. raw ability. And nobody wow. had, you just did it. He went, he didn't know. I didn't tell him until my fourth race, which I had won my first two races. And I think, no, I, my fourth race I won. And I, I won my second. I won my fourth race. Well, we were having dinner. And he looked at me and he says, well, what are your plans for the future? Because <laughs> he wanted to grow as a racing mm -hmm. team. I said, well, it just depends on sponsors and money. And he says, <clears throat> I said, I said, you know, I said, I've come over here. I never raced before, Mike. And he just stared at me. <laughs> he stared at me. And he says, you what? And he took, a, he took, he took another drink of hard whiskey. And uh -huh. he says, I said, no, I said, I forgot to tell you, but. I, <laughs> I forgot. I never <laughs> This is my fourth ever race in my life. Wow. And he says, I'm glad more Americans don't come over here like you. <laughs> wow, that's great. Yeah. You then go on at age 22, uh, or is it a little older, become the British Formula Ford Star of Tomorrow champion, yes, right? Yeah. You win the championship yeah, after yeah. this moment. Yeah, I went right? over there at age 21, and I came back at age 22 a champion. Wow. And, that is and a crazy, wonderful story. When you come home... Um, how did the folks treat you on the racing scene here? Understandably, I guess you're coming back, and, w and what series are you wanting to be a part of after that? Well, I wanted to, you know, the, your objective as a race driver is to get up that ladder mm -hmm. to Formula One or IndyCar as fast as you can. Okay. And when I came home, when I was over there, I wasn't uppity. I was a race driver. When I came home, I was uppity. Right. And I know the the difference in the treatment was remarkable. Mm. I mean, I had over there. I mean, we would race. But when like, you say when you saying uppity, do you mean you were just confident? No, no, no. it's the way that they considered him. Oh, the way they're and, considering you. Yeah, yes, they, yeah. They're treating over you. there. He's just <clears throat> another race car driver. Here, he's an uppity guy trying to break yeah, in. Don't yeah, you know your yeah, place? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What, what makes you think? You know, you can come here and get out and race here. And so, what's you're, that? you're out of your you're out of the sport. Right. right. Your sport should be basketball or football. Right. Not racing. Right. So. And who is saying to you, who's saying that to you and where? Well, let's put it this way. I was, uh, in 1978, I was down in North Carolina, and one of the old, old guard mechanics came up to me. Willie, you know, we, <clears throat> we don't have, we, we don't dislike Negroes down here, but you know, a lot of these guys, most of them had never been around a Negro in their life. I said, uh, well, funny, nor have I. <laughs> 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 well, because, I mean, I grew up in San Jose, California. Right. It was point oh two <laughs> African American. Right. All my grandfather's business was all white. All the, the school I went uh -huh. to was all white. And so he looked at me like with this deer in headlights look. I said, well, nor did I. 
And that, you know, and that broke it right there. I mean, he, 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 I see, they didn't get it. Yeah. yeah. And they just didn't get it. Right. And so, um, where was it most hostile, though? I mean, did you deal with that here in California? No, it when was most came... hostile. It, it was most hostile in, in NASCAR. In NASCAR. NASCAR. Well, yeah. NASCAR. I, I they, would imagine they, it they might made, still be. They made it. <laughs> they made it clear Civil War is over, but we're still smoking down here. Right. <laughs> Jeez, that's nice. And 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 what were they doing to you? Were you just dealing with a lot of comments or was uh, there actual well, it wasn't. sabotage it was, going it was, on? It was death threats. Really? I mean, the N-word was just, you know. I was just, tell them why, what? The N-word was just appetizer. Death threats like how? Like we were going to kill you. Yeah, but how would that come to you? How would that come uh, to Through you? phone calls and mail. Through phone calls and mail. Yeah. And was that, was that people who follow NASCAR? I, or was that... I, it, I don't know if it was <clears throat> the ones that were directly involved or their heirs or their or fans. I know I was getting it. Yeah, that's that's tough to deal with. You know, I've had actually. I liked it. You did. Well, tell me why. Because let me just let me just tell you. Let me just offer this perspective because I obviously haven't gone anything close to what you've gone through. But I've had death threats in my life, and I laugh them off in the daytime. But at four in the morning, I feel them a couple times. You know, you start to go, "Shit, what if that was real? What if that happened?" The the amount that you're getting, did it ever get to you? Or not, did, not at all. It, One because, not at all. Not at all. One because I thought it was it was sort of I don't know what you. It was sort of motivating. I wouldn't say sexually motivating. <laughs> Nobody said that. No, it, it was, was a challenge. It was, it was like exciting. It it was sort of, <clears throat> right. sort of like uh, it gave me a, a great feel. Right. Right. You know, right. Plus, plus, I grew up on a ranch. All I I mean, when I got home from school, I was shooting every day. I was a great shot. My son right now is one of the top shooters in the world. Right. And he shoots uh, shotguns worldwide. Right. So, I mean, and he learned it from me. So, I mean, I wasn't. You ain't going to. Whoever was making the threats, you ain't going to outshoot me. That's for damn <laughs> but sure. But did you have your gun on you all the time? Well, I can't tell you that. Why but, not? You what know, do you mean you can't? At can? this point. Well, my cousin uh, was a very big guy. He played professional football. Right. Six foot five. He went with me. Everywhere. Oh, he did. Big so man, he had a six body five, guy. about two seventy five, and so that was a that was a deterrent in mm-hmm. itself. And he wore this big cowboy hat right everywhere we went, and uh, and when he shook people's hands, tears would come out of their eyes. That's, that's, that's how strong he <laughs> that's was. That's what right? you did to me. It's that time of the year again, time to set new goals and resolutions. They're easy to make, they're harder to stick. At Audible, we believe that listening can motivate, inspire, inform, and help you be successful in 2020 and beyond. No matter what your resolution or goal is this year, you'll find the perfect audiobook at Audible to motivate you and inspire you. Whether it's getting physically fit, financially fit, and being a better parent, leader, or person, it's all on Audible. And help motivate you, Audible is issuing a challenge to current and new members. Finish three audiobooks by March 3rd and get a $20 Amazon credit. It's that simple. Finish three by 3-3 three, three and get 20 bucks. How easy is that? There's nothing to enter. Audible will keep track of your progress for you. Audible members can choose three titles every month, one audiobook and two exclusive audio originals you can't hear anywhere else. Audible members will also get access to the exclusive guided fitness programs to help start the new year off right. Listen on any device, 
anytime, anywhere. Your toaster, your refrigerator, at the home, at the gym, on the commute. You'll also enjoy easy exchanges for any audiobook you don't love. And an audiobook library you keep forever, even if you cancel. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash spike or text spike to 500-500. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. You know, Little Milton, Hank Crawford, old blues stars who I used to work with uh, on this music show I did in New York, they used to keep a little thirty-eight in their sock when they were on the road in the South. Their money was in the left sock, and the thirty-eight was in the right sock. Did, did you ever keep a gun in your, in my in your sock, in your no, boot? No, no, no. It, it was in my boot. It was in your boot? It was in my boot. Wow. And you there realize, Ferris, that this is, people might be listening today and say, well, that's the olden days. That's not that long ago, and I don't know how far we've come since then, which is a question. Well, you know, we all have a right to protect ourselves. Right. And, you know, hindsight, you know, well, he should have did this. Poor, you know, he knew he was in a risky business. I mean, it wasn't getting hurt or killed on the racetrack that was the problem. Right. So, you know, I, I wasn't going to, I'm not going to uh, uh, hurt or intimidate or try to uh, damage anyone, but I'm not going to let myself get Right, hurt. but the attitude towards, you you, you breaking the Plus, battery. I was fighting, too. Right, you With break- my fist. Really? Oh, yeah, I got <clears throat> suspended for a month for fighting. So, but, well, well, what do you mean? So, you, on the track, during a race? After or the after, race. After a race, yeah. you're hanging out, you're winning, obviously. People are upset. Yeah, they're not drinking a beer. It. And and uh, tell us what happened. In bar rooms after the race. I mean, you know, after the race, you so you, you're in a you celebrate. Tell us one of those well, stories. Me and, me and uh, my cousin Big Don. You know, after the race, we went yeah. into the the local the the local bar with Confederate flags all over the wall. You know, this is and, in the south. You know, and everybody's eating ham sandwiches and drinking moonshine. Where is this? This was in North Carolina. Okay. Again. And so we went out there, and uh, one actually one was in Niagara Falls, New York, mm-hmm. of all places. Mm-hmm. One fight. So we went in there, and you know, all of a sudden, something flies across the room and hits us. It was a piece of ice. And uh, my, Don, my cousin Don went over there and asked them uh, where that ice came from. And they said, you know, they, four guys. And uh, next thing you know, we were in a fight. Donnie had <coughs> one guy in a headlock, <laughs> right, and was punching another guy. And the, the guy he had in a headlock, his the third guy wouldn't even get up. I was fighting one guy on the dance floor. Okay, <laughs> Donnie had one guy in a headlock and was punching the other guy, and the, the, the other guy wouldn't get out of the booth. And he said, "You're hurting him," because he was squeezing. <clears throat> Donnie was squeezing so hard his eyes were getting ready oh to my pop God. out. Oh. I, when he said that, I literally started laughing. <laughs> You're hurting him. I looked over and I, was, and I was fighting and I was laughing at the same time. But, was it, but were you, didn't that depress? I mean, after a race where you just want to chill out, didn't you get depressed that that was happening or oh, not you know, at when all. you're retelling the story oh, I know you're that's exciting you to sound tell. like you're getting excited about it. I mean, it's either, you know, uh, you know, it's either the trophy queen. Right. After the race or a fist fight. Right. That was just as exciting. And did you win every one of those? Huh? Did you win every no, one of those? No, not what, fight? <clears throat> yeah. We never lost one. 
You never lost one. Not with Donnie there. Well, that's why you're happy. <laughs> right, Donnie. Right, right. Not Big with Donnie there. Donnie. Everyone's happy when they're winning. Yeah. It and, seems to be, it seems to have motivated you, you because I'm just looking at your list of wins here. 77 Dunlop Formula 4 Championship, 82 Long Beach Formula Atlantic Pole winner, 83 to 85 most winning Trans Am driver in the series during his reign. Most winning. Yeah. Wow. And it just keeps going. 85, personally African-American driver to drive Formula One, owned by Bernie Ecclestone. How does that happen? Bernie called me. Bernie calls you Actually, up. I met Bernie when I was in England. And my that fourth race I was at, Nigel Mansell was there, who was world champion. And we were racing against each other. And before the race, Bernie Ecclestone, I see him, him and Bernie's not very tall. Bernie's like 5'4", at that. I mean, and that's standing on something. <laughs> Bernie and his his engineer, Gordon Murray, who was tall and thin, came up to me and introduced themselves. And they, they said, well, I'm Gordon Murray. And he says, I'm, I said, no, you don't have to. I, I, the reason I'm here in England is just to meet you guys. You don't have to tell me who you are. <laughs> so he just said, well, uh, and he called me William. William, <laughs> keep, keep up the good work and we're going to be watching you. And from then on, and Bernie and I are to this day are very close. I love him. <clears throat> wow! And uh, people say he's a hard guy and he's a tough businessman, and he built Formula One, which he did. But he's always been uh, real, real good to me. Yeah, wow. and he knew what I was dealing with. But what is the moment where he brings you up to race Formula One? It was nineteen eighty-five. It was the end of nineteen eighty-five. In fact, Don King who represented me for about a year. Don King. No way. Yes, sir. Wow. Don called me up and wanted, I was in Vegas racing the Caesars Palace race and uh, Caesars Palace Grand Prix. And he sent a courier over to um, uh, ask me to come meet him that night. So this courier, I get out of the race car. This was 1984. And courier comes up and, you know, when you see a black guy, in a suit at a racetrack? <laughs> you wonder, this guy didn't even look like he should be at a racetrack. Right. I mean, another sport, but, and he walks up to me. I take off my helmet and I'm unzipping my suit and I'm talking to my, and he walks up to me and he says, um, I'm so and so and so and so. And <clears throat> Don King sent me here to ask you to meet with him tonight. He'd like to meet you. He's over at the Riviera. At that time, it was Riviera Hotel in Las Vegas. He says, would you come at 6 o'clock to meet him? I said, what's he want to talk about? He said, I said, I don't fight. He <laughs> says, I, you know, not in the ring. <laughs> and so he says, um, he said, we'd just like to talk to you about your career. So I said, I tell him I'll be there. So I met with, I walk into his office. Mm -hmm. I get there at the Riviera. I think Bone Crusher Smith and Larry Holmes might have been fighting that night. And he said, Willie D, Willie D, <laughs> sit down. I want to talk to you about making you a superstar. Right. And that's how he talked. And so I sat down and he said, uh, um, what do you want to do? I said, well, Formula One. Said, well, I'll get it done. And so he arranged a test session with Bernie. He called up. Bernie Ecclestone in London. He said, "Soon as the season's over, in Trans Am, I want, I would like, uh, would you put Willie T in the car?" And uh, Ecclestone says, "Yes, I will." So the, uh, a December 1985 test was done in Estrel, Portugal. Now you all heard of Lewis Hamilton, mm -hmm. six-time sure. world champion. 
the year Lewis Hamilton was born is when I tested Formula One. There's been only two black men on this earth that have driven a Formula One car. That's Willie T. Ribs and Lewis Hamilton. Amazing. Wow. Pretty question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been interrupting you, but in this time period between 75 when you win the fourth race and you're just, you know, raw talent and this Formula One test, have you taken more instruction, coaching, lessons, or are you just figuring this out all on your own? Well... I had racing drivers around me all the time, right? and I had engineers. More importantly, I had engineers around me, and the engineers, you know, you when you work with a guy like Rory Byrne, Rory Byrne, <clears throat> uh, when I went to England, Rory Byrne designed the Ferrari that Michael Schumacher won all the, all the world championships in, the Ferrari Formula One car. Well, at that time, Rory Byrne designed the, the car I was racing in England, in my first year, that Roy was a Royale, where Rory designed it. Well, here's this guy, this black guy that comes up from Mars and and starts winning in, in their car. Well, he called me up, he says, uh, and he was from South Africa. He says, uh, with South Africa, would he, uh, would, <clears throat> I can't do South African very well. Says, <laughs> it's a tough accent yeah, to pull yeah, off, yeah, right? Yeah, Elon yeah. Musk doesn't even do it well. Yeah, no, no, he's horrible. <laughs> and so, uh, so he says, we'd like to uh, test you. I said, he says, you just we come to the track at Brands Hatch, and we want to do a two-day des- test with you. And what I learned in two days from Rory Byrne took, would have taken me 10 years in the U.S. Really? He was that. He told me what I should expect a car to do. And this what was, did he say? Tell us some of well, those. Well, he would he would make change. He would make mechanical changes, and he mm-hmm. says, "Tell me what the car feels like on each change that he did." And I would describe each cha- what it felt like, what the car did in the front end, what the car did in the back end, you know. And it's all about cornering. You know, anybody can drive a straight line. I mean, you right. guys right here could run 220 miles per hour in a straight line <laughs> mm-hmm. just getting out of the chair. Uh, it's that cornering speed that makes you a race driver. And uh, I could describe it to him. And then he said, well, this is what I want you to feel. He said, in this change, this is what you should feel. It was brilliant. Oh, and there it is. And when I came back to the United States, I mean, I was talking to the mechanics over here. And the, and the engineers over here, and they were like, "Well, man, you you understand, yeah, yeah, I mm-hmm. understand." And I understand what changes I wanted to make. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to feel, but it's another thing to get into in a room like we're in right now, and debrief and and say, "Okay, I think this is the best. I think this change would would suit me to make the car better for me." Let's, because um, we're running out of time, Willie. This is fascinating Already, stuff, that, isn't I'm, it? But we're not, am, we have a little more time. Um, we have to, of course, talk about your, the, the, your big moment, 1991, where you become the first African-American to race in the Indianapolis 500, right? Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the moment. Um, tell me about that. How does that feel leading into the race? How, is it, uh, how, did, how did the uh, racing... Uh, you talk about high pressure. Yeah, now, Indianapolis is the biggest race on the planet. It's There's, also, I don't you think it's one of the most dangerous races just by itself? It is the most dangerous place to race. It's killed, with the exception of the Isle of Man, mm-hmm. which is a motorcycle race right. yeah. in Ireland. Uh, Indy is the most dangerous place on the planet. Right. 
and it's killed a lot of drivers. Right. And uh, so that's your baseline. And now you have this thing happening where well, you're walking onto this track. I knew I knew it was a dangerous place, but I also knew if you've got good people, and I had a great engineer by the name of Tim Wardrop, who was from England, and he had already as an engineer won Indy twice, right? So he, he was really good and he was a really calm guy. And you can't go you can't drive around Indy at that speed amped up. You gotta be just absolutely like a machine. You got to be smooth, and you can't. You know, like Mario Andretti said to me, he says, "Don't try to muscle your way around this place." He says, "Because if it you do, it's going to hurt you." He said, "Make the car. You make those guys get that car perfect, and because your cornering speeds are two hundred twenty miles per hour. That's your Jesus. cornering speeds, <laughs> right?" And so, in a twist, you know, I That's mean, scary. that thing is not right. Yeah. Yeah, that thing's going to loop, and you're in the fence <clears throat> before you can blink. You the, can't the even fence say, or oh, the wall. you're not going to get to S-H-I-T. Yeah. <laughs> you won't even get to O, right? Right. And you're into the fence, and uh, and it's killed. A, it's hurt and killed a lot of drivers, and you have to respect the place. But then you're there for a month. For one month, all races are normally Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday's the race, you go home. There you, you're out there for one month. Something's bound to go wrong in one month, mm. right? <clears throat> and But, you know, and the pressure and, and being, you know, you don't think about history being made. That's the last thing on your mind, about being the first of anything. All you want to do, the only color barrier I ever wanted to break was that black and white checkered hmm. flag? Mm-hmm. That's the only barrier I wanted to break. And you know, you got the media in your face all day long about how do you feel? Do you feel pressure because you're, <laughs> because you're you know get, you know you're under the gun? That, you know, there's 40 million people that are on your back, and I I, I mean questions like that. How do you feel about that? You're know, carrying them yeah, up. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, you still eating chitlins and ham hocks and, you know, collard greens. Wait a minute. Hold on. Do you mean the folks in San Jose? No, yeah, not yeah, them. Not yeah. them. And <laughs> My high school friends? No, yeah, no, no. Not them. And Don't make I me said, say it. I said, first of all, I have an obligation to <clears throat> my team mm-hmm. and myself and my sponsors to be to go out. And it's not about anything other than going fast and making the race. There's 33 guys that are going to be in this race. There were 75 entered, so there's a lot of guys who are going to go home. And I don't want to be one of those guys going home. And you hang it out, and you know you know the upside, and you know the downside. And uh, I I just stayed on message, on focus. Go, it's all about going fast. That's all it meant to me. And it's wow. about being in the biggest race on the planet, the Indianapolis Five Hundred. Mm-hmm. This is you're listening to Willie T. Ribs here, and you're going to want to hear a lot more of them. Um, Adam Carolla. And his genius, ChassisMedia.com, has uh, this guy, Willie T. Ribs, a legend, the Willie T. Ribs story um, that you can uh, buy on DVD. 
You can download it well, off yeah, the site, yeah, yeah. right? Ch- Chassis with a Y, C-H-A-S-S-Y yeah, they, they, dot com. Yeah, those folks know where it is. It's more great content from Adam Carolla and the gang who brought you all that Ford and versus Ferrari stuff. Here's another great story. Willie, a pleasure to meet you, man. Great meeting you. When man. you have more time, uh, I would love to have you back and tell us more about yeah, racing. This is a Zuckerman great and I, story. We I'm always fascinated. Oh, where do you hear about the salacious stuff? Yeah. yeah. Oh, we'll yeah. yeah. we want to hear about yeah. the trophy yeah. queen. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. fighting oh, was yeah. great, but the trophy yeah. queen. Oh, yeah. Why? Well, no, what do you mean? Trophies. Why couldn't we have heard about that today? Yeah, we're at home with two trophies. <laughs> <laughs> and a little bit of syphilis. That's all. That's, the, that's my trophy. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's it for us here at Spikes Car Radio. We'll see you next week, folks. Thanks for listening to Spikes Car Radio. Download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. What's up, Brian Deegan here. I'm excited to bring you our podcast, The Deegans, that will be every Wednesday on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. We'll be covering many subjects such as racing, family, how we stay together, how we thrive as a family. So I think it's exciting. We're going to cover all those subjects and many more. Be sure you guys check out our new podcast, The Deegans, airing every Wednesday on Podcast One and on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review.